In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, amen. Today is the second Sunday of Amshir, and today's gospel is about the five loaves and two fish. Uh, it's a powerful passage from Scripture, read often throughout the Coptic calendar, um, and is included in all the four gospels. I believe it's the only miracle mentioned in all four gospels. Um, a little bit out of order, last week we discussed the events immediately after this miracle and how he met the multitude and, and rebuked them sharply because they were seeking uh, the worldly blessings. So they, they saw this miracle that we mentioned today, the feeding of the 5,000 with the five loaves and two fish. And they said, well, you know, we've hit the jackpot. You know, uh, he's going to give us all these worldly blessings. We don't ever have to hunger or work or anything like that. And so they wanted to make him king and so on. So, but today we actually read about the miracle, and next week we'll talk more about how, about what happened um, afterwards. All of this is, of course, in chapter 6 of the Gospel of John. So, you know, it'd be a good exercise with your families to read chapter 6 of uh, the Gospel according to St. John. But today we read about this great miracle, about the feeding of the five loaves, or the feeding of the 5,000 with the five loaves and two fish. In this story, as with other stories uh, throughout the Gospels, we see an interesting distinction and striking difference on how Christ deals with the multitude versus how he deals with the apostles and the disciples and, and we see that today but other examples include for example um, before giving the Sermon on the Mount Christ came up on the hill and the multitude assembled but he only began to speak when the disciples came to him another example is when Christ was speaking to the multitudes and his mother and his and his brethren were outside asking to speak with him and um, this was made known to him that they wanted to talk to him, but he answered, stretching out his hand and pointing to the disciples, saying, Behold my mother and my brethren, because they do my father's will. Uh, he didn't do so with the multitude, but he pointed towards his disciples. And in Matthew chapter 13, we see another example when Christ spoke to the multitudes in parables, and the disciples came to him asking him, why did he speak to them in parables? And Christ answered and said, because it has been given to you, the disciples, to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them, the multitudes, it has not been given. And in another place, he dismisses the multitudes, but the apostles remain, and after the multitudes left, he explained the parable of the tares in the field, uh, but again, only to the disciples. So we see this again in today's story. In today's story of the feeding of the 5,000, we see this striking difference on how he dealt with the disciples versus the multitudes, and how the multitudes dealt with Christ versus how the disciples dealt with Christ. First, the disciples, we have to understand, were extremely tired before this miracle. Um, because prior to this, Christ sent them out to preach repentance and to cast out demons and to anoint the oil uh, of, the, of all those who were sick and heal them. So they were coming back from this preaching exhausted. And Christ asked them, come with me up on this mountain to rest for a little bit. Christ then asked them to, you know, to walk up and to struggle to go up on this mountain. So they used what little reserve of strength that they had to uh, you know, climb up this hill. And no sooner than they climb up that the multitudes start appearing on a very grassy and level uh, valley below, very comfortable valley below. The disciples still show compassion for the multitude and dialogue with Christ about feeding them and the need to feed them. Christ blessed the five loaves and two fish and multiplied the food for the multitude. The disciples then received the food from Christ. 
but the multitude received it from the disciples. They didn't receive it directly from Christ. And the multitudes were not able to consume all the food. They weren't able to eat anymore. They weren't able to uh, handle all the food that was uh, given to them because it was such a big blessing. And 12 baskets of leftovers, one basket for each of the apostles, uh, were taken up, all of them full, and each disciple carried them off. After this great miracle, Christ then sent the apostles away separately, and then he dismissed personally the, the multitude. He, he himself dismissed the multitude in peace. And these poor disciples, probably exhausted now beyond measure, found themselves in the middle of a storm on the boat as they struggled, they struggled to steer it. So that, you know, you can imagine, you know, they were probably at their very end. And then they see Christ walking on the water towards them, entering the boat, and then they found themselves uh, in a calm, uh, calm setting. The storm went away, and they found themselves in Capernaum. Striking difference in the labor shown between the multitude and the disciples. But just as striking, though, is what God shows the disciples versus what he shows the multitudes. The revelation that he gives to the disciples is much deeper and much uh, more amazing than what he gives to the multitude. They received honor. They received closeness with Christ. They saw the wonders of Christ. But Christ also, um, but, but they also suffered uh, very immensely for Christ. They, they suffered beyond measure for Christ. So they carried the cross of Christ and they enjoyed his resurrection. The multitudes, though, were never described this way. They always were kind of uh, living a, a kind of an easy life compared to that of the disciples. And it's no surprise because he himself told the disciples in Matthew chapter 16, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. And this he told to the disciples. And this is what they did. They carried the cross. The disciples went out into the whole world and suffered every type of challenge and every type of pain that you can imagine. Emotional pains, psychological pains, and of course the physical pains, even leading up to the martyrdom of most of them. Most of them were martyred. St. Paul, for example, who was not one of the disciples, but he was an apostle, he describes in Second Corinthians the kind of things he went through. He says, watchings and shipwrecks and hunger and thirst and nakedness and cares and anxiety. With the weak, he was weak. And for those who were made to stumble, he did burn. He, like, he was very upset when they stumbled. In much patience, in afflictions, in necessities, in distresses, in whippings, in imprisonments, in tumults, in fastings, in pureness. Five times he received 39 whippings, 39 stripes. Three times he was beaten with rods, he was stoned, he spent a night and a day in the deep sea after shipwreck, so he spent over a day in the deep sea, in the perils of the waters, in perils of robbers, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils amongst false brethren. He was often betrayed, um, and he was abandoned. And we know from his second epistle to Timothy, there were very few who stood next to the great St. Paul at the time of his trials. The apostles and the disciples suffered immensely. We all shudder at carrying the cross. And it's easier to be with the multitude standing or sitting on a comfortable, grassy, level ground. We shudder for many differences when we're faced with a cross. Some of us because of our sins, that's cloud our judgment. 
Some of us because we love the material things in life. Some of us because we lack courage or are cowardly. But we should be like the disciples in carrying the cross as they imitated Christ who carried his cross. As Christ was exalted, so were the disciples and the apostles. Christ carried the cross for us, and it was his joy to do so. He wanted to do so for our sake. As it says in Hebrews chapter 12, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right-hand throne of God. And the disciples and the apostles did so because it was their joy to do so as well for Christ's sake. So they returned carrying the cross for his sake as Christ carried the cross for our sake. In Philippians, St. Paul says in chapter 2, Therefore, if there is any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and mercy, fulfill my joy by being like-minded. Being like-minded, so that we can also carry the cross as they did, to imitate them. So we have to ask ourselves, do we want to be with the multitude, comfortable on the grassy level, uh, field, or do we want to climb up the mountain and struggle with the disciples? And this is a question for each of us. With the disciples, of course, should be the answer. I'll give you the answer. We want to be with the disciples. But there are some who think, like for example, that they've hacked Christianity, that they think that they can not struggle and still use Christ for just material blessings, thinking that they can be like the multitude, serving uh, to be served, but never themselves serving. Christ is only for material blessings, they would say. But we could never, ever suffer or even be inconvenienced for His sake. Maybe a small service or even coming to church early when there isn't a good reason is very difficult for the people who are in the multitude on the grassy level field. Never carrying the cross, even small ones. They shudder eat even small crosses. Last week we saw the rebuke, though, that Christ gave to the multitudes who only saw these worldly comforts. And St. Paul describes them as enemies of the cross in Philippians chapter 3. Saint, he says, They are enemies of the, cro the cross of Christ, whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, and whose glory is their shame, who set their mind on earthly things. This is what the multitude has described as. There was one different person, though, in the multitude that stood out. One person that stood out from the multitude and climbed up also on the mountain and gave something small, which was the boy in today's story. That boy stood out from the multitude because he chose to carry a very small cross. He sacrificed what he had, his lunch, his five loaves and two fish. And Christ accepted it. He blessed it, and here we are talking about it 2,000 years later. If we can't be like the disciples, let's be like the little boy so that we can be transformed into disciples. Let's offer to God what little we have. Prayers during the week. Don't just pray on Sundays, but also pray during the week. Sprinkle throughout the week your relationship with God. Attendance at Bible studies or meetings. We had a Bible study on, uh, on Friday. I can see some of you did not attend. So, you know, try to attend Bible studies. Coming a little earlier to church, setting a goal maybe to come at least before the Bible readings. Helping those in need around us, at work or at school or in our families. Even helping them a little bit. Even showing them attention or comfort. Going to confession and committing to a life of repentance. 
Lent is right around the corner, so it's a good time for us to have the spiritual renewal and offer to God even little things. And as, we, as we've read today, thousands were fed by the five loaves and two fish, and that little boy uh, was honored because of that. Um, he offered and carried a small cross by offering his lunch, and he received it many times over. Because sometimes what we offer is very inadequate. It's weak, it's sinful, it's shameful, it's embarrassing sometimes what we offer God. But God takes it anyways, blesses it to more than to be more than adequate and can use it to His glory. Our Lord is always looking for a way to give us victory and to give us honor. St. Cyril of Alexandria says, Even for the desperate, stubborn, and completely in the grip of pig-headedness, the Word of God is quite capable of succeeding in forming attitudes and persuading people to learn the things that make a person wise. The Lord is quick to show mercy and bring salvation to the repentant. He immediately relieves them of their former crimes, cancels his wrath, and thinks instead of kindly things and kindly actions. So God can use us all, whether the small things we have to offer, such as a, a small basket of five loaves and two fish, or our weakness, sinful state as well, we can offer that to God. God is able to transform all to our good and to his glory. Our Lord is able to transform our small and weak state into something great. So may the Lord allow us to gain blessings and transform the little that we have to offer him, to be like the disciples or like the little boy at least, to the glory of his name now and forever and to the ages of all ages. Amen.